Today's reading is from Philippians 3, 1 through 11 on page 981 of the Bible. Finally, my brothers, rejoice in the Lord. To write the same things to you is no trouble to me and is safe for you. Look out for the dogs. Look out for the evildoers. Look out for those who mutilate the flesh. For we are the circumcision who worship by the Spirit of God and glory in Christ Jesus and put no confidence in the flesh. Though I myself have reason for confidence in the flesh also. If anyone else thinks he has reason for confidence in the flesh, I have more. Circumcised on the eighth day of the people of Israel, of the tribe of Benjamin, a Hebrew of Hebrews, as to the law, a Pharisee, as to zeal, a persecutor of the church, as to righteousness under the law, blameless. But whatever gain I had, I counted as loss for the sake of Christ. Indeed, I count everything as loss because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus my Lord. For his sake, I have suffered the loss of all things and count them as rubbish, in order that I may gain Christ and be found in him, not having a righteousness of my own that comes from the law, but that which comes through faith in Christ, the righteousness from God that depends on faith, that I may know him in the power of his resurrection and may share his sufferings, becoming like him in his death, that by any means possible I may attain the resurrection from the dead. The word of the Lord. Pastor Young said that it seems kind of surreal um, to be, I, well, you know, I'm, we're, I'm preaching this passage today. If you weren't here last week, I mean, there's no way we're going to do all this stuff today. Last week, I talked about this, uh, this unbelievably, <laughs> well, some, to, for some people, offensive and certainly confusing portion where he calls people dogs and talks about mutilating the flesh and the circumcision. So if you missed that message, you can, you can catch that on our website. Um, today I want to talk about something that's related, in some ways, to the continuation of last week's message. I want to talk about what does Paul means when he says, we don't put any confidence in the flesh. But then he turns around and he says this thing. <clears throat> if, though I myself have reason for confidence in the flesh... I actually have reason. If there's somebody out there that can put confidence in the flesh, it's me. And then he gives you a, a series of bragging points. And then he turns around and he says, but actually, this is garbage to me. Hmm. This is just nonsense garbage to me because I found something better and greater. That's what I want to talk about today. And... Um, I, I, I thought, I've been thinking about this all week long. I said, I'm going to talk about this on the day, on Super Bowl Sunday, the day that everybody is going to be thinking about the greatest, I mean, in sports anyway, at least in American sports. This is the biggest bragging day there is. <laughs> and it's going to happen in our city. I mean, you could walk there. <clears throat> and... This isn't just any Super Bowl. This is Super Bowl 50. <laughs> There's been 50 of these things. And, um, and 
arguably one of the, I mean, not arguably, not arguably, he is one of the greatest, greatest quarterbacks of all time, is going to play possibly his very last game today, right there. I mean, just right there. And that's all this stuff. It's, it's strange to me that I, I, didn't, I, didn't, I didn't plan to preach this text on this day. It just kind of happened, okay? I, I don't do that kind of stuff. It, I just let the... I just plan what I think the Lord wants us to do, and then I let the chips fall the way they may. He, he controls those things. Um, today is a day, you know, there's a word. The word here is confidence, but um, where do you find confidence? It's wherever usually there's something inside of your life. I can say, I can point to this. I can point to this thing, and I can boast this is where I find my worth. Today, in sports anyway, you know, whoever wins, <laughs> they can say, this is where I find my confidence. I mean, whoever wins today, I mean, most people think um, Cam Newton and, and the Carolina Panthers are going to win today. I mean, it seems like the whole world thinks they're going to win today. So let's just say if they win today, if they win today, they're going to walk out and say, here I can place my confidence because I have this boast. It's an objectively fact. We're the best. <laughs> we beat everybody. We're the best. We beat the greatest quarterback, certainly one of the top three greatest quarterbacks of all time. We beat him. We're the best. That's their boast. They can make that boast today, and they can say, this is my confidence. Now, our passage today talks about righteousness. Um, I don't know if you've ever known this, but most people think righteousness has to do with being a good person. It absolutely does. Um, but in the Jewish mind, um, there's a standard for righteousness, and that's called the law. In the world, we have to know that we have a worth in the world. If you have worth, that worth happens according to some kind of standards. If you do well in that standard, then you can say, I have confidence. <laughs> that's, what, that's what this passage is about today. But to, because we live in a post-Christian, very relativistic society, we don't believe that there can be a standard for being human. <laughs> we think we get to make up the standards, but there always is a standard. And according to that standard, that's what gives us worth as a person. I, I, I want to, um, I want you, I want you, I'm trying, I'm gonna, I've been thinking all week long, you know, there's a veil over our eyes because we live in a society that has this incredible habit. And that, by the way, this isn't just non-Christians. If you're a Christian, we, if you, we, you, we, we are fish swimming in this, in this uh, stream. And the stream of our time is, an, is a skeptical, unbelieving stream. That's like the water that we drink in every day. That's the air that we breathe. It's a skeptical, unbelieving stream. It's a relativistic stream. So it's not just those people over there who don't believe in Jesus. They're relativists. Okay, in principle, they're relativists, and we're not. But habitually, we're relativists too. Because relativism isn't just some philosophical idea that's out there. Really what it is, is it's a habit of the way we think and feel and look at everything. Really, that's what it is. And we don't tend to think that there's a law 
that can define all of us, and that's why we all think that everybody should be nice to each other, even if this person is a really filthy person. Really. I mean, we watch these movies, the people act like horrible, filthy people, but, by the end of the, but then the movie kind of tugs at your emotions, and then you're supposed to root for them by the end of the movie. I mean, that's just normal. That's a completely normal movie that we watch these days. And that's relativism. That's relativism. Um, but actually, all of us need a standard. You all need a law of some sort. So that's the real drama that's happening inside here today. There's a law that's happening inside you which you submit to, you readily submit to. And that law, that standard, can tell you if you have worth as a human being. You believe it. You really do. And if you're doing really, really well, now you have confidence. This is what Paul calls confidence in the flesh, in, in myself. The flesh is in my body, in me, but I don't need Jesus. I don't need God. I don't need a Holy Spirit in me. It's just, it's just me. <laughs> That's our whole society is built on having a life where you find some kind of confidence in the flesh. The whole society, our whole, this relativism thing that I just talked to you about, that's what it is. The whole thing, the whole game of relativism, the whole setup of life apart from God, or God, I'm not sure if there's a God. Or God, we can kind of pick and choose. Or God, I mean, come on, heaven, hell, guilt, sin, judgment. I mean, this stuff, is it really real? That's relativism. So since we're all skeptical about these things, but we still have to live a life. And that there means we'll just choose a standard. And that standard is if you're, doing, if you're having a good life, if you're going to have a good life, you're going to do well according to that standard, and then you can have confidence. And so today I want to ask you this question. Um, where do you find worth? See, because the, the old... This old word, righteousness, we don't tend to fixate on that word today because we're, 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 uh, we're post-Christian relativists, but the word that we really care about is worth. I, like to, I want to propose to you that righteousness and worth isn't exactly the same, but that's the, righteousness is the way a godly Jewish man would find his worth. There's a standard called the law. If I do really well on it, I have worth. I'm righteous. Today we care about righteousness, except we just don't call it that. We call it worth. Where do you find your worth? Where's your confidence? And um, I'm just going to give you a little warning today. I intend to blow it up. <laughs> That's what this passage is meant to do. It, this is some of the most radical things that's ever been said. This passage, these, these, these 11 verses... These 11 verses is intended to take all this thing that we think says, on this, I have confidence. On this, I have worth as a human being. It was written and placed down by God to just blow it up. In three parts, part one, confidence in the flesh and self-worth. Part two, self-worth by the world's standard versus being valued by God. Hmm. So that's the thing. We don't think that being valued by God, that's actually, 
the real pathway to life. Self-worth by the world standard versus being valued by God. And part three, the surpassing worth of knowing Jesus Christ. The surpassing worth of knowing Jesus Christ. Um, confidence in the flesh, I've already, let me, I've already kind of defined what that means. Um, the flesh is living in me, in my power, in my wisdom, in my ability, in my goodness, without needing Jesus, without needing the Holy Spirit to be a part of it. That's flesh. But you still got to be a good person in some way, right? I want to read, read the passage to you a little bit differently. I want you to hear this differently. Um, and I hope that this will help shed light. So here we go. We glory in Christ Jesus and put no confidence in myself. I think the word flesh, a great way of putting it is the self. We glory in Jesus Christ and put, do not put my confidence in myself. Though I have reason for confidence in myself, I have great reason for this. If anyone else thinks he has reason for confidence in, my, in himself, I have more. I have thrown more yards than any person that has ever lived against the greatest competition. I've thrown more touchdowns. I have more, won more games. My father won the Heisman Trophy twice. You guys all know who I'm talking about? You know who I'm talking about? Let me say it a little bit differently. Um, when I was a boy, I immigrated to the United States when I was five years old. I entered school about two or three weeks late. Um, the principal almost didn't let me into school. I was the, I was the, uh, I was the only Korean kid in a class full of children that were black because I lived in a, in a lower middle class black neighborhood. And I couldn't speak a lick of English. And so um, in kindergarten, I, you know, you can imagine, nobody really cares who's the smartest kid in kindergarten, and, but I, I, it certainly wasn't me, <laughs> okay? Um, and then I got to first grade, and I was in remedial reading. I was in the lower level of math, and I didn't speak English very well, so they would pull me out of class and stick me over with this other lady who would say, point to a word, T-H-E, and I would go, duh. And she would go, no, put your, th your tongue between your teeth. And go, the, the. And I would go, duh, the man. That, that's the, the kind of kid I was. I, I, I remember this like it was yesterday, first grade. Um, my teacher was wonderful. I mean, she, I, I, would, I would draw these um, superheroes. You would know, get a folder, you, and I would draw a superhero, and my teacher would tell me I'm a special kid because I could draw a superhero. But it wasn't because I was smart, obviously. And then somewhere between first grade and second grade, something clicked. Something clicked. And at the beginning of second grade, <clears throat> the teacher called every kid up one by one. One by one. Sat, 
you, her, you down next to her, and she would just say, start reading. She would point out, and she'd just read. Da, 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 da. And, I would, I, and you know, it was weird. I didn't read all throughout the summer. I didn't do anything. I could just do it. <laughs> da, 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 da. I, and I remembered my, my, my aunt saying, you should pause at the co commas. So I probably sound like a genius kid. I'm like, da, 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 pause, that would read. <laughs> All the words just flung out of my mouth. And then she would stop. And then she would flip over to another page and she would go, read that word. It would be a hard word. I could just do it. And then she would do, pull out the math. To, and I could just do it. I could just do it. <laughs> I could do all of it. And next thing you know, I, I was in a combination class, second graders and third graders. So two thirds of the class were second graders. And then one third of the class was third graders. After that day, my teacher moved me from sitting next to the second graders and sat me next to the third graders. And after a couple months, all the third graders thought I was smarter than them. And then when we did math, they knew I could do it better than them. And then we moved. I went to another school. After one month, my teacher thought, I was the sharpest rock in the class. <laughs> and then in, in fourth grade, after about half the way through the school year, my teacher called my mom and said, your son probably shouldn't go to fifth grade. He probably should go to sixth grade. So why don't you think about that? My mom thought about it and said, no, I think the social thing is more important. We'll just let him go to fifth grade. Then we moved. Another school. Another school. So surely you go to another school, there's going to be somebody smarter there, right? Went to that school. Um, after about two months, my teacher, she put the, the class into math groups. And um, the kids who are in the, lower, the lowest math group, they hated it. <laughs> Because now everybody knew they were the dumbest ones in class. And that was half the class. It was a poor neighborhood. Then there was an intermediate group. Those kids thought, I'm smart. You know what they had? Confidence in the flesh. Huh? That's what they had. Dumb kids over there were better than them. That's because the, there's a standard. There's a standard. Who's good at math? And math is so, it's not like, okay, this kid can read or write better. No. Okay? There's a test. At the end of the test, if you got it wrong, you got it wrong. <laughs> so it's exact. And if you can't do it, it proves you're dumb. I mean, that's really what it shows. I mean, that's why we all hate math. Because the standard is exact. <laughs> it's exact. You get it? That law is the standard by which you're dumb or you're smart. And if you're dumb, you don't have worth. In the world of math, you're not righteous. Get what I'm saying? There was a third group. That's the top group. There was one kid in that group. That was me. 
There's a, kid, there's a room full of Mexican kids. I think there was a couple of Vietnamese kids. There's a few white kids. And everybody thought that, the, that somehow, like, I'm, like, I represented the Koreans. <laughs> it's like, wow, like, the Koreans must be the smartest people alive. <laughs> That's like, it was weird. That's how, what people start to think. There's 30 kids in the room. This belief started happening that the Koreans are like the smartest because there's one Korean kid and he's like up there. I mean, that's, isn't that crazy? That's how we think. That's how we, so that, in that room, that little, that little perception of that's happening, that's the story of the whole world. The whole world works like that. So, if the standard is school, so I don't want to go on and boast a little more. I got into some schools. Okay, there's a Super Bowl. There's a Super Bowl when it comes to school. You know that. I mean, there's this thing called the SAT. I did pretty good, okay? And then there's this thing, there's a Super Bowl. The Super Bowl happens somewhere in the middle of March or April. And it's not a big game, but there's an event. And the event happens like this. A mailman comes to your mailbox. <laughs> and he places something inside your mailbox so it's your name in it. And, your, and that name tells you whether you won the Super Bowl or whether you lost. <laughs> That's how it works. You guys know what I'm talking about, right? The envelope looks like this if you lose. <laughs> It's about this big. And it has a nice little letter. Thanks for playing the game, but you lost. Okay? Better luck somewhere else. That's kind of what it says. Okay, but it's, it's of course, you know, they use a lot nicer words. And it's on really nice paper. <laughs> but that's what they say. But you lose. You're not righteous enough. Super Bowl happened. Envelope that said, S-T-A-N-F-O-R-D, Stanford. That's a big one. I won the Super Bowl. So if the game is that, I have a reason for confidence. That's what he's saying. I'm circumcised on the eighth day. That's the way you're supposed to do it. I'm a tribe of Benjamin. You know who Benjamin is? Benjamin is the favorite son of Jacob. <laughs> Jacob is Israel. Israel's favorite son is Benjamin. So if you're from that tribe, you don't just say, I'm a Jew. I'm the best. <laughs> That's what he's saying. That's what he's saying. <laughs> there are some stupid parents, they don't circumcise their kid on the eighth day. We did it the right way. My dad did it the right way. And then he goes on to say, a Hebrew of Hebrews. I'm not just a Hebrew. I'm really like the Hebrew of Hebrews. I'm, it's kind of like saying I'm more American than you. I'm really, I'm really like a pure American. And you're, I don't even know what the heck you are. Okay, I'm better. That's what he's saying. As to zeal, 
a persecutor of the church. As to righteousness under the law, blameless. Are you kidding? <laughs> under the standard, I'm blameless. <laughs> I'm blameless. He's saying that. that that's un unreal. But whatever gain I had, I counted as loss for the sake of Christ. Indeed, I count everything as loss because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus my Lord. For his sake, I have suffered the loss of all things, and I count it as garbage. Um, where do you find your worth? Let me give you one more verse before I go to part two of my message. I have suffered the loss of all things and I've counted them as garbage so that I can have Jesus. And be found in him not having a worth that I built. Not having a worth of my own. Which comes from the standards. But a worth which comes from Jesus because I believe in him. I believe that his worth, which is given to me through him, is greater than anything I could have built. It's so much greater than anything I ever did that what I did is crap. That's what this passage is saying. Let me go to part two of my message. Um, I felt kind of embarrassed to do what I did to tell you about a little bit of my confidence in the flesh. Some of you, maybe, maybe some of you did better than me. I, I don't know. It's kind of hard. There are people I know who did better than me. Right? But it's pretty hard. I mean, I got into Stanford. I got into Yale. I didn't get into Harvard at the age of 18, but I did at the age of 21. I have a friend, um, uh, we just saw him at, at vacation. This, I, I kid you not when I make this up. Okay? I'm not making this up, okay? I kid you not. He went to Harvard as an undergrad. He went to Princeton for his master's work. He said a philosophy, this may not impress you, but it impresses me. He said a philosophy for his PhD work. He went to Notre Dame. Notre Dame, at the time when he was applying, was either number one or number two in philosophy. His PhD advisor was Alvin Plantinga. Now, I don't know if you know who that is. Alvin Plantinga currently is like the Peyton Manning of philosophy. <laughs> That's his advisor. Alvin Plantinga is world famous. His books are translated into into uh, other people's languages. I've read, I studied Alvin Plantinga during my PhD time. That was his advisor. <laughs> he would go to his office. Dr. Plantinga, Peyton, teach me. Teach me how to throw. <laughs> Am I throwing very well? <laughs> that was his advisor. And then after he finished, um, he just got back from a year at Oxford. And after he finished at a year at Oxford, 
he went to a um, ministry and a, um, which is connected to the faculty at, I'm not making this up, Yale. So now he's at Yale. And we visited him at Christmas time, and I said to him, <laughs> I said, your resume is stupid. <laughs> That's what I said. <laughs> I said, you know, all you need to do now is to become a professor at Stanford, and you've completely, you know, completed the whole thing. <laughs> and he started laughing his head off when I said that. And when we laughed, we both know that all of it is crap. Um, there are people, like I told you, in fifth grade and in fourth grade, all the kids in the bottom class, it happened in fourth grade too, by the way. <laughs> all those kids at the bottom, they, they hate the standard. They hate the standard. That's kind of how we are. If we aren't good at the standard, we go F you to the standard. <laughs> and then we go F you to the person who came up with the standard, in, which is, in this case, it's God. And so that's what we do when it comes to math. And it's like, okay, you're, you, you, you're like, you went out there and you played kickball. It just is, I, I didn't play football. I played kickball. By the way, I was good at it. <laughs> so when it came to kickball, I, I have confidence in the flesh. Okay, I wasn't the best kid. The best kid, the fence was way over there. That was the standard. The best kid in class, I still remember his name, Jimmy Morris. That's how good he is, okay? And it comes to kickball, Peyton Manning in fifth grade was Jimmy Morris. I, I wasn't Peyton Manning. I was like, you know, like maybe an you know, all pro, okay? <laughs> I could kick the ball and it could reach the fence. Jimmy Morris could kick the ball over the fence. <laughs> Nobody could kick the ball over there. It was insane. The, the fence was way over there. And when he kicked the ball, it'd go over the fence. It was crazy. So the last thing you want is you don't want anybody on the basis when Jimmy Morris comes up. Your team's going to lose. That's what it was like. Anyway, get back to my friend um, who uh, you know, went to all the crazy schools. So you know, he, his confidence in the flesh is greater than mine, okay? When it comes to that stuff, once you go up today, I want to talk to you about the other side. There, there are people who are on the bottom. We hate the, the standard. But today's message is for people who are good at the standard. In your world, you probably have some, all of you seem like really nice people. Mm -hmm. I mean, you probably have some kind of success somewhere in life. So some kind of standard, I mean, I, 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 as far as I look at this, I don't see anybody who's homeless. Maybe some of you have some kind of like horrible drug addiction or something like that. You're destroying your life, but it doesn't look like it, at least not in this room today. So somewhere along the line, there was a standard, and you found worth there. Um, it's a very strange perspective when you get to the top of the standard. Paul is talking to you from the top of the standard. And you know what he's telling you? It's crap. That's what he's saying compared to Jesus. That's really what he's saying. There's something so much, 
It's like the whole world is this. Actually, we live, when you live in a post-Christian society, there's only the standard. That's it. There's nothing. It's just a, it's just a treadmill. Run the treadmill. And then when you get to the next level, they crank the level up higher. <laughs> and when you get to the next level, they crank the level up higher. And when you get to the next level, they crank the level up higher. And this is what it's like. And so, you know, when I'm in fourth grade, I, I just have to, t- you know, the, those kids who can barely read, I have to be better than them. And then the kids who are average, above average, I have to be better than them. Okay, well, fine, I can do that. Then you get to high school, the competitions, I, I wasn't number one in high school. Um, that was incredibly good for me. <laughs> I'll tell you that. Um, uh, Peyton Manning in 12th grade was a kid named Ed Owen. <laughs> I'm so grateful to Ed because he's so smart. <laughs> I mean, he was crazy smart. <laughs> Ed Owen, there was a thing back then called USA Today. It's a, it's a, you know, it's a national newspaper still around. They called it America's most promising high school students. Ed Owen was on that list. <laughs> okay? He was on that list. I mean, crazy. So I'm actually really grateful for him today because you know what that did? That was the first time I realized this treadmill only gets worse. What happens when you fall off? What happens when you fall off? That was the first time I started. I was 16, 17, and I realized, oh, he's better. And one day, I'm going to fall off this thing. I'm not going to be good enough. That's when I realized it. It's great. It's great to learn that when you're 16. Terrible to learn it when you're a little older and older. All you got is standard. And somewhere along the line, the God of the standard, as soon as you fail out and fall out that treadmill, they'll look at you and go, you're a loser. You're nothing. That's the way it works. Um, you know why I'm a Peyton Manning fan? This, I'm going to tell you something strange. Here's why I'm a Peyton Manning fan. He is the best or one of the very, very best. So he's at the top of the standard in his world. But he's lost. (laughs) And he didn't just lose. He's lost spectacularly. He's lost spectacularly in the playoffs, in the first round, (laughs) in the second round. And then he goes to the Super Bowl. He didn't just lose the Super Bowl. He didn't lose it once. He lost it twice. The second time he lost, he got creamed. He got crushed. It was the year in which he broke every record. (laughs) He just destroyed. His team destroyed people that year. And then they got to the Super Bowl, and then he got creamed. (laughs) And you know what I watched in him when I looked at him? I saw a man that was bigger than the standard. The losing, the losing showed there was a worth, there was something inside of him bigger than how the standard 
could judge him. That's why I'm a Peyton fan. Because he loses. Isn't that weird? <laughs> Brothers and sisters, um, you know, my, my, I ask, I've, talked, I've had talks with my friend, you know, who's at the top, you know, he's at the top of the philosophy world. <laughs> and, yeah, he could tell you stories of the disgusting BS that up, happens up there. And how you get there, and that's all? That's all there is? So that's, that's, what, that's, that's what freshman year at Stanford was like for me. <laughs> I went to Stanford, and they were like, you're the best! You're the best! You're awesome! You're the best! And then at first we're like, yes, we're the best! We're better than those like, losers on the East Coast. We're the best, okay? And then midterms hit. I realized, is this all there is? <laughs> and after about two quarters in into my freshman year, the bubble was popped. That's what it was like. I'm not telling this to you to boast. I'm telling this to you because if your life is all about chasing and trying to achieve, because this is there's a little lie. Here's, here's the lie. There's a lie in this. If you play the game of the confidence of the, of the flesh of me, according to the standard, the lie is this. If I get to here, I'm good. I have worth. I'm, so, I'm, I'm a good person. If I get here, oh, I'm a really good person. <laughs> and we do this in all kinds of ways. If I live in this neighborhood and not that, oh, that's like a poor neighborhood. If I wear clothes from this store and not that store, I, I have worth. Yeah, that, that's why people like driving certain cars, you know. Have, have, have you ever, anybody ever driven a Toyota Corolla? Okay. <laughs> Honda Civic. I've driven these cars. It's, it's, it's an absolutely incredible piece of machinery. And the fact is, no human being needs anything better than that. <laughs> you really don't need, and you don't need anything better than that, okay? But that thing doesn't have like this super piece of like, like leather that like, like wraps around your rear end in this special little way. And it has these little doodads. And it's like, when you're riding it, you're like, oh, I'm on this little cushion. And there's this little checker blue and white thing that says, ultimate driving machine. I have worth. The kids are laughing because you all know what I'm talking about. You know exactly what I'm talking about. Because when I was 16, I, 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 if I drove that little checkered thing, especially you know, with, the, with the top down, then, and, and I, I, I hit all the standards, then I have confidence in myself. See? But thanks be to God, he sent Ed Owen into my life <laughs> and destroyed it. <laughs> um, where is your worth? Um, I, I see Christians all the time, and in their head, in their head, they believe in Jesus. I'm, I'm getting to the third part of my message here. In their head, they believe in Jesus. But in their heart, do they believe in the surpassing worth 
of knowing Jesus. As, I'm, as a pastor, I'm always looking for this. I meet a person, you're a Christian. And I look at you. And get, so I'm not trying to, hey, I'm not trying to judge you, okay? I'm just trying to just say what's going on inside there. Because as a pastor, in order for me to love you, help you, I gotta kind of have some understanding of what's going on inside there. And of course, it's, you know, it's inside there, so it's kind of like it's kind of I have to like see the signals on the outside. Most people know inside their head, Jesus, if you believe in Jesus, he's important. But in their heart, do you have the surpassing worth? It's just, he's so, it, can you say, he's so great that if I could get to the top, top, top of everything, if I can get to the top of all the stuff that I like, that actually, compared to Jesus, it's just crap. Can you actually say that? If you can actually say that, now, deep you are, the world cannot touch you. If you can actually say that, you're completely liberated from the treadmill. Every human being is under the bondage and enslavement of a treadmill that if you fall off, there's a little God. There's a God at the top of that thing. The God called academics. The God called football. The God of kickball. The God of kickball. Are you kidding? <laughs> the God of kickball shines on Jimmy Morris. But that heavyset kid who would go like this and the ball would, you know what would happen to him? Everybody would laugh at him. And when he would laugh, that's like falling off the treadmill. And he got no righteousness. You guys know what that's like? We all know what that's like somewhere, don't you? Isn't that terrible? When there's no savior, that's all the world is. That's all it is. I hope Peyton wins. But there's a part of me that thinks if he loses, And his manhood walks. Peyton believes in Jesus. A lot of people don't know this. Peyton believes in Jesus. I think the reason he can carry himself with so much dignity and class and grace, even though he got completely squashed, and the world is saying, you think you're the greatest, but you're a loser, because the world loves telling the best that they're losers. That's what the drama that's going on over there. That's what's so incredible about the Super Bowl. The world gets to tell the best. They're all waiting. Tell the best, nothing. There's a part of me that thinks, will he be able to live the rest of his life three times Super Bowl loser, two times getting completely creamed? This is what the gospel teaches. Jesus doesn't just pay for your sin. Jesus completely takes away the standard. You understand? Christians don't live under the law. That's really a wild thing. Do you understand that Christians don't live according to law? It, 
it will not have any bearing anymore. Jesus took on the law. He fulfilled it so that anybody who is now in him is now just under grace, not law. And Paul knows all this stuff that he, he, he boasts of. This, I have confidence in this. I have confidence in this. I have confidence. He's like, it's just nothing. And this is the wild thing. You're utterly free. It doesn't mean you just could just do whatever you want. Spend money however you want. Just have sex with whoever you want. People go, oh, you're not in the law anymore. So that means I can just do whatever I want, right? That's not, that's not what actually happens when you get freed by Jesus. When you get freed by Jesus, realize in him there's a whole new kind of way of life. It's a whole new life. It's called eternal life. And this is so much of worth. Um, just close up my message this way. Um, I've been preaching here for seven years. Um, this is the anniversary, by the way. So it's, it's kind of a funny thing to say that, that, that Super Bowl Sunday was my anniversary Sunday. First Sunday of February to me is an anniversary of, you know, ministry at New Hope for me. That's how I think about it. Okay. Moved here in January of 2009 and started in February of 2009. And after seven years, um, I... I, I find Christians, you know, like, okay, Jesus, I need Jesus. And then they walk out the door, <laughs> and then it's football, football, football. Oh, okay, my job, my job, my job. Okay, my, my car, my, my car, my, my car, my car. Oh, okay, my kids got to get a good A, A's, A's, A's. Okay, okay. Oh, and my kids got to do really well in baseball. Okay. That, that's, that's the treadmill. That's the treadmill. And our city completely, like, enslaves people. This is like a slave shop. This is a city where the treadmill is cranked very, very high. And one of the things I want to say to you is, because um, so, you know, who's going to believe anybody if they just, you know, got the bottom? Oh, you're just, you're just a resentful person. That's why this Jesus thing. And lots of people who are really successful in life, they actually say this. Christianity is just a crutch for people who can't make it in life. It's just a crutch for the weak. Brothers and sisters, if you'll really admit that even when you're strong, at the end of the day, you're just still, you're just that far away from becoming nothing. If you could finally say, it doesn't mean, like, when I say throw away the standard, it doesn't mean, okay, it doesn't mean I'm going to stop working or, like, stop paying my taxes. Or, of course not. <laughs> But now, it's not based on fear. Now it's because we're absolutely secure. Here is now, when you get into this place, you're just going into a whole new country. Where everything that you do now, you do not because you have to fear, but because you're already loved and accepted. That's what the gospel can offer you. Let's pray.
Father, I felt like I just talked for 45 minutes like an idiot. Saying lots of really stupid stuff, especially about myself. It's almost, I'm almost ashamed to say these things. I'm actually kind of ashamed to say these things, but I'm not ashamed because I know Jesus takes away my shame. And I think of my life when I had, was so-called can claim confidence in the flesh. And I'm so glad that's not my life. I'm so glad that's not my life. I'm so glad that in this world I could lose. But because of Jesus, I'll never lose. I could fall down, but Jesus has always pick, already picked me up forever and forever. And so now whatever I do, the best that I do it, even if I fail, it's all yours. And anything that's, anything that's worth anything, you'll keep, Jesus. Thank you. The Super Bowls will pass away. And a million years from now, who will care about grades or kickball or MVPs or Nobel Prizes or BMWs? Who will care who was valedictorian or and went to what brand name school? But we'll look at you, Jesus, who took us into a whole new kind of life, a heavenly life. When there's no more fear and there's no more shame. There's no more treadmill. Oh, my brothers and sisters, it's so hard to get this. Father, I pray it's so hard to get this. And every day I, I get it, but I still forget it. But we thank you that this is true. Help us to believe it. Help us to believe it in our heart and to find that knowing Jesus is of such surpassing worth because he took away my fear factor. He took away my treadmill and nowhere ever, anytime ever, can I be nothing. Can I ever be a loser? Forever and forever, I'll be somebody because of the worth and righteousness of Jesus placed upon me. I pray that my brothers and sisters and anybody who ever listens, I don't know, it'd be strange. Maybe somebody will listen to this message five years now. They're like, this is given on the Super Bowl Sunday? Ridiculous. But we pray, Lord, that you would give us the grace and the mercy to explode this confidence of the flesh and live in Jesus, live for Jesus. We thank you for this unbelievable gift. Help us to begin to live in it. Liberate my brothers and sisters. And help us to live in this glorious, surpassing worth of Jesus. In his name we pray.